Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. This radio ministry is sponsored by Church Partnership Evangelism and its local missions fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. You can learn more about how God is using us by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, the Lord says, Let not your heart be troubled. And then he offers us the cure for a troubled heart. It is a cure bound in his own divine determination. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The fact is, is if we put our hope in this world alone, ultimately we don't have the message to deliver that answers the great and deep and profound needs in people's lives. You can go to a place where you might explore and discover the deepest brokenness of our age and our time, and you can go to those individuals, and if what you promise them is a program for community relief, if what you do is bring to them a strategy for financial investment, maybe we can develop a number of micro-enterprises, and we can develop a bunch of capitalistic investment, and we give them those types of hope, or you come to a place that's been ravaged by disease, and you say, look, we're going to bring you medicines and we're going to bring you strategies to plant crops so that you can live a healthier life, there will be people, when they hear that, that will rejoice. And maybe there will be some sense of relief by some of those old and aged and infirmed and beaten down that their children will benefit from what potentially may grow out of your efforts. But your efforts are going to pass them by almost entirely. It's going to be too late for some. You tell an individual who's dying of cancer, hey, you know, there's really good news here. You've got two months to live, but we're making incredible progress. And in three years, we anticipate having a cure for your disease. Well, I guess that might make them feel good to some extent, but only to some extent. If only in this world we have hope, we're of all men most miserable. I remember being in Hungary seeing the signs of a revolt that had taken place in Hungary in the 1950s that the Russians came in and put down and they left the marks of the rebellion on the walls of the buildings in the area where we were working in. This was in the 90s, but the walls of the buildings were still pocked with the gunfire as a reminder of how ruthlessly the Russians had put down this rebellion. And these people had been suppressed under this communist Soviet system that they bristled under, but they never got out from it. Here I had the opportunity to go into this community and visit people in this community after communism had fallen and Hungary was being brought into the capitalistic Western world and there was lots of investment was coming in and kids were rejoicing and happy and we found out that speaking to the young people, you spoke to people who all of a sudden had been given a new lease on life and they were excited. But when you spoke to the old folks, even though they saw the new lease on life, they were drowning in bitterness. Because that life had passed them by and they were never going to get it back. And life, in a sense, was really never going to get better for them. I still remember one old man that was in a bathrobe that was all in tatters. He said, you can talk to somebody else, but I'm too bitter to talk to you. The best in life has already passed me by. Bitterness. 
lack of hope. But listen, if only in this world we give hope, we ultimately leave men most miserable. You might bring a moment of comfort to people, but not what people need. So here's this situation we have in John chapter 14. Actually, in John chapter 13, the Lord Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the Last Supper, and he's saying things to them that are beginning to penetrate his attitude, his actions, the spirit of that time together. They begin to get the sense that this is the last meal. They all of a sudden begin to think, maybe this is the last supper. It's what is being communicated by all that Christ is saying. I won't eat this meal again with you until I enter into my kingdom. One of you today is going to betray me. They begin to realize that there may not be the immediate earthly kingdom that they had hoped for. If you read John chapter 13, they're being told that there will be one among them that's going to betray the Lord Jesus. One of the disciples says, Lord, I won't betray you, I won't deny you. And they're told that the one who has been the leader, in a sense, among them is going to deny him that very night. They're being told that Jesus will be leaving them. And he tells them, you're not going to be able to go where I go. You're not going to be able to follow me. You're going to have to remain here. And their hearts are troubled. They begin to see, in a sense, the curtain fall on their dreams and their hopes and their aspirations and everything they had vested in this age and in this world. And their hearts are troubled and they're disturbed. And here's in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, God's answer for their troubled hearts. You know what it is? Basically, it's this. Believe in me. Jesus says, you believe in God? You want an answer for the trouble in your life, the discouragement in your life? You believe in me. I want you to listen to what I have to say. I want you to understand something. Interesting here. The Lord Jesus is putting himself on par with God. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. Can you, what audacious. If it's not true, what audacity. If you believe in the God who's created heaven and earth and who never fades away and is from all eternity and is all-powerful and is sovereign over all things, believe also in the same way in me. That's what he's saying. He's comparing himself. He's saying, I'm worthy of your belief and the same belief that you put in God, I'm worthy of that same belief as well. What he's told them in chapter 13 has led them into distress, but he has an answer for them. He says, I want you to believe in me even though I am going away. I am, I will come back. And now the Lord wants his disciples to believe in him and everything that he's going to say, in order that their belief and their comfort it would be drawn to them from the comfort of his declared, determined will to return among them. And what he says is, I'm going away, and I'm preparing a place for you, and I'm coming back, and I'm taking you to that prepared place. Believe me. Believe me. This will answer your troubled heart. Let's look at this place that he's preparing this message that the Lord Jesus gives us about heaven. And let's let this truth that the Lord Jesus declares and asks us to believe be a wave of comfort over our own lives. The first thing he says about this place in heaven is this. He says it's a prepared place. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. When you're traveling somewhere, it's good to know that the, when you arrive, it's nice to know that there's a place that's being made ready for you. It's also kind of important to know who's making the place ready for you, especially if they know you well and they know what you like 
and what you appreciate. You know, last summer, my wife and I went and we got a place on the Oregon coast so we could draw our children and our grandchildren all to one single place, entice them to come to this one place. We decided to go ahead of time by a day or two and arrive at this place so that we could make the place exactly the way that it would be so that they would be most comfortable and enjoy it. We told them, we're going ahead of you and we're going to prepare the place for you. And for two days, we worked. We worked really hard to make that place a place that would be inviting to them. Our idea was, let's make this really good so they'll want to do it again and again and again because we want to get these kids. We want the grandkids, right? (laughs) But the good news is, They knew who was preparing the place for them. Mom was preparing a place for them, and Dad was doing whatever Mom said to get that place prepared. (laughs) We got it all ready. I actually one time had a speaking engagement. I went to speak at a church about 15 years ago. It was a large church, a church of about 1,000 people, and I was to be speaking among a list of different guests that were coming to speak on missions, and they were having a missions conference. And so I arrived, and some of the things that they said they were going to prepare weren't prepared when we got there. It was a big college town, and they had a lot of students that were doing some of the organization, and apparently some of the students forgot their assignments. And I was somebody's assignment, and I was forgotten. At the end of the night, they told the different people, now look, there's going to be somebody who's going to come and collect you. They know their responsibility, and they'll take you to the home where you're going to be staying. And I've been assured that we'd be staying at nice places because it was a church. It was a large church, and they had some people in the church that had beautiful homes up in the mountainsides, etc. And so nobody came and got me. Nobody showed up, and I stood there, and the whole church emptied out, and I was by myself, and the senior pastor saw me, and I saw a look of alarm go in his mind, and he ran back to his office. Somewhere along the line, they had asked people to volunteer to provide their homes, and so there was a list of addresses that were given, and then somebody vetted those homes to see if they were suitable, and so he went and found one of those addresses, and he gave it to me, and he called somebody, and then he sent me off to the place. He said, actually, I'll drive you there and I'll show you where it's at. So I followed his car to come to this little house in this little neighborhood. And the house was so small, it looked like it could only have one bedroom in it. It was just a small little house. The yard had grass that was growing around it that was almost as tall as the house. He got out of his car and went into the house and he stuck his head in the door and he said, okay, they've got a place. I've got someone who'll put you up, Joel. And he ran back in his car and drove off. I found out why. He didn't want to see me when I saw where I was staying. I went inside the house and it was owned by a single fella who, I don't know what this guy did for a living, but the house was filthy. He was a hoarder. And so it was covered with books. It was kind of in the cold months and he had been burning and he didn't have a good flu. So it was coated in pitch and black and dirt. There was no place to eat. He was sitting at the time eating a TV dinner on a TV tray that was opened up. He had it on top of stacks of paper that he was collecting and I immediately, I'm thinking, what do I do? I just started in this ministry. As people think of me as a missionary, is this a test to find out whether I have the missionary spirit or not? The man then, you know, I, I, they've just told me, but I, I do have a room you can stay in. And here, let me show you where your room is. And he took me into two bedrooms, actually. And the other bedroom was a room that was filled with disassembled bike parts and there were greasy chains on the floor. He obviously fed birds because there was a bag of bird seed that had spilled out across the floor and was laying all over the floor in the midst of these chains. There's no mattress in it. It's just a floor, just a hardwood floor, dirty as well, nothing there. And he said, oh, well, let me get you some bedding. And he reaches up into the back of the closet and he pulls out a mummy bag. You know those old mummy bags you have? And he shakes it out onto the ground, out of the bag that it's in, and it plops. It doesn't fold out or lay down. It just kind of holds there as if 
He's been using it a while and it's never been washed. And so whatever, after a long day of hiking with mosquito repellent and sweating like crazy, you crazy, you get inside that bag, whatever, that's what's holding this thing together and it's just sitting there like a rock on the floor. So he takes it and he kind of presses it out and you can hear it crunching as he's moving it out. This is going to be my bed and it's, this is a test. This is a test to see if I'm really willing to embrace the missionary spirit. I decided I wasn't going to embrace the missionary spirit. <laughs> I came back out. I said, you know, I see that you really weren't prepared for me. When did you know? Well, I just found out 10 minutes ago. I said, you know, you weren't prepared. I'm going to be doing a lot of work here over the next week, and I've got a place where I need to I have some time to do some studying and that, and I really want to apologize. You weren't warned, and don't worry about it. Hey, let me have a TV dinner, and let's enjoy fellowship together. Then after we're done, I'm going to go, I have another place that I know I can stay at. And I just went and found a hotel, stayed at the hotel, you know, gave him my credit card and stayed at the hotel for the week. And it was a better prepared place, let's put it that way, right? Here's the illustration here. It really matters who's preparing the place for you, right? It really does. In this passage, we're not told that servants are preparing the place for us. The master of the house is preparing the place for his servants. He knows us. He knows exactly what we need. He knows what will bring us fulfillment, what will bring us joy, what will bring us satisfaction. And here is the master of the house who is preparing this place in order not simply to meet our taste or needs, but to meet his taste and his desires and his certain specific knowledge of what will best suit our blessedness and our joy. Well, thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life. You can learn more about our ministry by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org for copies of these broadcasts. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you richly.